Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. I'm Dave Alexander. Here is Dr. Franklin Weefald. Hey, we are loaded for bear. Yeah, we got a lot of things that we can kind of talk about, you know, stuff we've planned. But yeah. what, it, what I really want is to get your calls yes. so I can address your concerns. I mean, that's what we're here for. Otherwise, we'll be stuck talking about my health issues. Not that we couldn't do two hours well, we could or do my, three hours. We could do my health issues. Your health issues, exactly. Telephone number between noon and 2 on a Saturday afternoon, 919-860-9783. Invermectin might be a great treatment for COVID. Yeah. Could be the magic pill we've been waiting for. According to some really good doctors from really good places in a really good journal... Um, I think that we need to start thinking about it. I mean, this is the thing that's always bothered me about these COVID medications. You look, the the word we're not supposed to speak anymore. What's that? You know, the H word. H word? The hydroxychloroquine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you do say it, you're canceled. Um, and you know, it's funny because uh, who is that late night host that is always controversial, always hating everything Republican, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's right. He was screaming that people were poisoning themselves. They were going to die from taking hydroxychloroquine. And I tried to tell him, although he wouldn't listen (laughs) because I was just shouting at the TV. Yeah, I got that. I mean, don't you think that he should have been able to heard me when I shout through the TV? Maybe, sir. Yeah, that millions of people take hydroxychloroquine every day for rheumatoid arthritis, and they're not poisoning themselves. Right. Well, ivermectin was mentioned, what, a year ago? Okay. And, you know, there are some countries who are using it routinely, and uh, the FDA has actually, on their website, posted that don't take it. And I guess... If you read the fine print, they're saying don't take the heartworm pills because that's what apparently ivermectin is also. It's an anti-parasitic. Uh-huh. What's a parasite? It's a little tiny animal uh, that lives in your body and, you know, those yeah. worms. You know, remember, they always show a picture of some guy in Vietnam yeah. who went to the bathroom and there was a 20-foot worm. Oh, my worm, gosh, yes. Okay? Yeah. So ivermectin is used in situations like that. Well, somebody a long time ago said, well, let's try it in COVID. And there were a lot of studies that showed it worked. Um, there were people coming into the emergency room who decided to swallow their dog's heart pills. Oh, man. And that was a bad idea. So the FDA basically said, don't take ivermectin, when what they really meant to say was don't borrow Fido's pills. Right. You know, go to the doctor. Well, it fell by the wayside, but now uh, in the journal of the American Journal of Therapeutics, and I just looked it up because I don't normally read it, but there is a scientific agency that ranks journals, and it's very highly ranked. In fact, okay. what they say, it's indispensable for physicians to learn about new therapeutics. And they reviewed hundreds of studies 
maybe scores of studies, a bunch of studies. Yeah. Some of them were retrospective, which means they looked back in time and saw who with COVID had taken it, and ivermectin, and how they did. But they also looked at 15 prospective studies that weren't done in the U.S. They were done in other places. And it, all these things came together and showed that it was a game changer. Hmm. That it reduced death, it reduced the length of illness, and um, made people feel a whole lot better. So maybe this is true. Now, I am not saying to go out and take ivermectin because one of the things they said in this article was that it was also preventive, that it people who took it had fewer cases okay. among them. But what I am saying is that we need to shout from the rooftops and get our officials to tell us, do you believe this study or this paper that was published in a very reputable journal, or do you not? I am on the website for, I think, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, the FDA. The FDA. When I searched for the word ivermectin, this was the among the top yeah, which is things. don't take it, right? Why you should not use ivermectin to treat or prevent COVID-19. Yeah, and then if you read, that's the article I saw. Yeah. And if you read through it, it says, well, it hasn't been proven, number one. And number two, that there are people who came into the emergency room really sick from taking ivermectin. Right. And what did they do? They went over to the cabinet where it was marked Fido's pills. Right. And they decided instead of taking mom and dad's pills, they decided to take Fido's pill. Man. And Fido, he was mad. Sure. Yeah, because he said, now you're going to give me heartworm because right. you're dousing my pill. Yeah. But anyway, that's the whole point. And the study also showed that it was safe when given by a physician in appropriate doses. Right. So now I'm going to bring up another point. And again, I'm not saying that this article should be taken as God's truth. Right. It is an article that was uh, by reputable um, physicians mm-hmm. um, who need to be put through the ringer in terms of the FDA and in terms of, you know, Dr. Fauci. Yeah. And, and let us know. But the other thing that bothers me about hydroxychloroquine, which many people said worked. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually do the studies. But now ivermectin, which people are saying works, which we don't use. But what do we use? Remdesivir. Now, that's, it worked, but it didn't do much. And you had to give it in a very restricted time window. Right. It's an antiviral. Remdesivir has a patent. So if you use remdesivir, (laughs) companies who hold the patent are going to make mucho dough because the government is paying whatever they want. Yeah. What's the problem with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? They're generic drugs. They're made by 50, 60 companies. They cost pennies a pill. So, again, I'm not saying this. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, except when it comes to the show. Sure. Yeah, there's a conspiracy on the show. It's a conspiracy to entertain and inform. (laughs) It's exactly right. right. So, but I'm just saying. It's interesting yeah. to think about. Okay, let me let me twist the subject a little bit. <laughs> you, do you always know, twist my subjects. Do you know what the preppers are all ordering? The doomsday preppers? The doomsday preppers are uh, talking about. I know about what they're ordering. iPhones. You know why? 
Why? So they can listen to Heart Health on their you podcast. Know, they do that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They order fish antibiotics. Really? They order veterinary oh, okay. antibiotics. Yeah. yeah. Because and, they're cheap. Right. Hoping that they can just store it forever. Yeah. And then in case of I don't know, a gunshot wound in in the <laughs> in what you would consider the, you know, apocalypse. Yeah. They could just take the fish antibiotics and it would take care of them. Well, you know, it, I guess, um, but of course, you know what will happen. Yeah. They'll be found floating upside down in a lake. <laughs> Have you ever had a fish that lived? <laughs> yeah. Antibiotics right. or not. Here's the, the funniest thing. When I read this, my reaction was, wait a minute. Somebody has developed an antibiotic for a fish? Absolutely. I mean, fish fish have feelings. They get, they yeah. cost a buck and a half. Yeah. So they're the same antibiotics that we take. Okay. Oh, so okay. my dog has had to have antibiotics <laughs> postoperatively. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually more expensive than human antibiotics. It is. Okay. You know why? No. You buy them from the vet. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are some vets, you know, you say, can I get a prescription so I could call 1-800-PET-MEDS? They refuse. Because yeah. they make a lot of money on their overhead. Not every vet. If you're a vet listening, I love you. You saved my dog, Lebowski. <laughs> um, but, you know, most of the meds for animals are the same meds for humans. And what does that tell you? We're animals. And yeah. we have the same types of problems that animals do. We don't get heartworms. Um, so taking ivermectin prophylactically for heartworms doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Okay. But I want to know, does it make sense and please tell me, Dr. Fauci, you've read the literature. You know, I, although his schedule, he has five minutes for literature reading and 17 hours a day for being on TV. <laughs> so. The uh, radio program today, we're going to address some very important topics, including green leafy vegetables are going to save your life. Everything. Make you happy. Yeah. Enjoy a nutritious and wonderful life now let's just say we, be- we believe in green leafy vegetables but steak's what gonna I, kill yeah, you i don't want people to think that that's the answer to longevity there's no answer to longevity except for one thing yeah pick the right parents okay, okay. if you've picked the right parents and they have lived to 100 you, you're going to live to 100 unless you die in a car wreck okay, okay. that's all there is to it all right you want to talk about something called inspire yeah which is uh, some sort of implantable device? Listen, if you have sleep apnea and you're listening, call us. All right, good. Tell us. Well, Dave, you have it. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tolerate the CPAP? I love the CPAP. Oh, okay. I look ridiculous in the CPAP. Small children are afraid of me when I'm wearing the mask. (laughs) Small children are afraid of you right now. (laughs) Yeah, but, but, but the point is, I don't mind the whole thing. Okay, you're unusual. Really? Yeah. Most of my patients hate it, and they can't tolerate it. Or it leaks. Has yours ever leaked? Yeah, it leaks on my face. And here, I, I think that I'm getting dry skin because the new mask that I have leaks air. Well, and, then it doesn't work. Well, but the the point is it's not leaking a lot. But, but it's if it leaks at all, it doesn't work. That yeah. pressure has to be exact. And this is, we'll talk about this. Inspire okay. is inspiring for people with sleep. Sounds good. We're going to talk about Tucker Carlson and the fact that he says 30 people a day are dying from 
COVID vaccine. Well, what he actually said was after they took the vaccine, they died. Okay. Okay. And you fill in the blanks. And do you remember the story about Sturgis, the motorcycle rally, being a super spreader event? I thought Sturgis was the was for caviar. Oh, that's Sturgeon. No. Sturgis, <laughs> they said it was a super spreader right. event. And they even calculated the billions of dollars it cost the U.S. And yeah. that turns out not to be true. That's coming uh, up next on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio. Hey, that was you and me on the commercials. That's pretty good, wasn't it? We, we had back-to-back commercials, one with you and then another one with, hey, but, with me. But my pharmacy beats your show. Yeah. Hands down, my yeah. pharmacy beats your show. All right. Let me, uh, let me play for a moment this recorded portion of Tucker Carlson talking about COVID vaccines. Between late December of 2020 and last month, a total of 3,362 people apparently died after getting the COVID vaccine in the United States. 3,362. That's an average of roughly 30 people every day. All right. Now, is he right about the numbers? He was very careful in what he said. Did you not? Okay. What he said was all these people died after they got the COVID vaccine. Yes. He did not say, and although I, I, I'm just still mad about this, he did not say cause they died because of the vaccine. Right. He said they died after. So I, I like a lot of what Tucker says, but this is reprehensible because it implies that they died from the vaccine. And, you know, what he could have said was that, you know, uh, 3,000 people are dying a day mm-hmm. after they turn the ignition on their car. Sure. It happens all the time. Now, what, what you need to know about this is why it's reprehensible is because there's no causality. And, and, and you know, he gets away with it because yeah. he doesn't make the causality. How many people die a day in the United States of America? A lot of people. 7,900. Really? 7,900 die a day. Okay. Okay. So there's 300 million people. Let's just round it off. 300 million people in the good old U.S. of A. Okay. okay. Yeah. So we get 3 million people vaccinated today. Va- excuse me, vaccine vaccinated. I got to If you're yeah. a teacher, I did go to school. Three <laughs> million. So do the math, and I'll just do it for you. That means after the vaccine. Okay. We expect. About 79 people to die a day, just on the basis of who dies and who doesn't. Right. Right? And so we could twist the facts and say we expect 79 deaths a day after the vaccine, but we only get, what, 30. 30. So the vaccine is saving 49 lives a day. Bull. Okay? People die. Every day. I mean, it, it's it's right. almost as though we're not supposed to have deaths, okay? And it it's a sad fact of life. Yes. 7,900 people in the United States of America die every day. So I, I want you to know out there, yes. if you've heard Tucker, you can believe a lot of things that Tucker says, but this is unhelpful. 
and uh-huh. just terrible to imply. That's what he's doing. He's implying that the vaccine is killing 30 people a day, and it is not. Now, have people died after the vaccine? Sure. Yes. Um, have people died tied to the vaccine? Yes. But it's far, far less than the percentage of people in the United States of America who've died of COVID. Right. Um, some of these vaccines uh, induce blood clots, and they can induce blood clots in the brain. But it's only certain people who are genetically predisposed. Yeah. And unfortunately, right now, we can't tell who they are. Or, or you know, we right. give three million. How many, what percentage? 0.008% are going to have a bad outcome. And I just want people to know that it is one in a million chance that you're going to have a bad outcome. Yeah. Um, it's probably greater than winning the lottery, but it's about the same as being struck by lightning. Get wow. the vaccine. Don't believe what you hear on Tucker Carlson. Don't believe what you hear on fa- or read or see on Facebook. It's safe, it's effective, and it's going to help you, and it's going to help the country, too. Given a choice between riding the elevator unvaccinated with somebody who has COVID, who's sneezing, and getting the vaccine, yeah, which is a healthier option? <laughs> right, getting the vaccine. Get the vaccine. Get okay. the vaccine, please. Right. And And when somebody tells you, that it's horrible. Say, did you go to Princeton? Did you go to Johns Hopkins? Did you go to Duke? And say that my radio guy did. Right. And after digesting all of the scientific evidence, he is urging everyone to get the vaccine. All right. North Dakota, uh, the I don't know whether it's Christy Noam is North Dakota or South Dakota. She's South Dakota. South Dakota. Christy hey. Noam is yeah. a – she's a politician with a future. You can just tell. Yeah. But at the same time, she's now talking about the Sturgis rally, that motorcycle rally that we were told at the time it was a was super spreader. Super spreader. People were coming into town. They're getting COVID and then driving back right. to their own homes. Here she is on a radio program. What do you want people to know about the Sturgis rally in August? Well, that the media lied about the event. Uh, for a year, they've labeled it as a super spreader. That was not true. We continuously pushed back, and I'm glad that some of those facts are coming to light today. All right, so was Sturgis a super spreader? No, it was not. And in fact, when the real study was done and they monitored and and they did telephone tracings of the people who went and then came and went and went back home, there was no evidence that they spread it to anyone else. And yet what happened in the New York Times is they had a reporter who didn't look at any data. He just made some assumptions mm-hmm. and said, well, we're going to assume they're going to spread it to eight people, blah, blah, blah. And they assumed that every single person in Sturgis was infected with COVID. And they said it would cost the United States $64 billion or something like that. And then they had the craziest thing. They said, we just should have given everybody $30,000 not to go. And we would have mm-hmm. spent the same money and had fewer people. And so... The thing that's a lesson from this is don't believe these stories that are so sensational, um, and the New York Times especially, because they have what's called an agenda. They have what's called a narrative. No. no. And the narrative is that states like South Dakota um, oh, yeah. are horrible. Now, r- remember one thing. 
who have they praised? They praised all the blue states. They praised New York for what they did. Yes. They praised New Jersey. And if you look at poor South Dakota, they had a better outcome overall than any of those other states did. And yet, South Dakota is killing people. And it's just a shame. It's just a shame. Now, when we're wrong, we tell you you're wrong. And that's how you can tell somebody who's trustworthy. Not because they say they tell the truth every Mm -hmm. time. But you can tell someone is trustworthy when they say, hey, remember that thing I said? I was wrong. And and we've done that on the show several times. In a couple of minutes, we're going to hear from Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News on Heart Health Radio. AOC, Alexandria Occasional Cortex. Yeah. She's she has said she is a Planned Parenthood baby. Right. And so what does that mean? Um, Planned Parenthood is an organization that was founded by a white supremacist who also believed in eugenics. Okay, so the biggest thing for this woman who founded it was to kill black babies and to kill babies that had something like Down syndrome or something. And that's the truth. If you don't believe me, look it up. Well, now AOC is painting the picture that they provide free prenatal care. Well, I think they do in some rare instances. But if you look at the numbers, um, they did about 1,000 prenatal care um, cases last year. Yeah, yeah. Abortions, I did no. about half a million. So what I want to say is don't believe that Planned Parenthood really plans for parenthood. They plan for unparenthood. Yeah, we and can so, say that they're... Yeah, yeah, I mean, here she is, and she should... Well, no, she does know better, but she just wants you to believe something else because she wants the U.S. government to fund Planned Parenthood. All right, this is Heart Health Radio. Coming up, Christy Brinkley got a hip replaced. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that makes me feel old. It uh, just does. She's older than you. She's older than me. And she Heart looks a heck Radio. of a lot better than you. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. On with us right now is Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. Hi, Rose. How are you? Good, gentlemen. How are you? We're doing all right here. Doing all right. Hey, there's a headline on your website. HIV cases are up in North Carolina while testing is down. This sounds terrible. Well, you know, it's it's. I think it's part of a wider phenomenon that we saw throughout COVID that, you know, folks weren't getting their sort of regular care. They weren't getting their regular screening. Um, and we're also seeing things that advanced cancer cases right. are going up. And that's because people haven't been able to get in to have their mammograms or their prostate cancer screens. And so now that people are starting to get those screening tests done, they're coming up and it's like, oh, my gosh, I have a stage three cancer. Right. I you know, didn't do it for two years. Same with HIV. We're, we're seeing that there was less testing throughout the pandemic because, the, you know, there just wasn't as much access to basic primary care. Rose, how are we doing with uh, this COVID at this point? We're just kind of chugging along sort of at the same place. Um, About the same number of uh, our positive uh, uh, cases are 
about where we were in late September of last year. Right. We've got same thing with hospitalizations. We've got about a thousand hospitalizations. It's, you know, one day it's up to a thousand thirty, another day it's down to nine hundred eighty-eight, but it's it's hovering right around a thousand. Right. Quarter of those people are in ICUs. About fifteen percent of the uh, COVID hospitalizations are on ventilators. So, you know, you still have folks who are getting sick. I, I was, um, we were having dinner with some friends uh, last night, and um, they were saying, uh, our friend was saying, yeah, you know that guy? He was, he just died of COVID. And I was oh like, my. oh my gosh, yeah. this fella in his sixties, and he got it, um, and he'd been in the hospital for a month, so he hadn't been able to get vaccinated yet, and he got it, and after about a month in the hospital, he died. So we still have, you know, eight, ten deaths a week, which is a lot less than we had. I'm sorry, eight, ten deaths a day, excuse me, yeah. which is a lot less than we had back at the peak in January when we were having a 120 deaths a day. Right. Um, you know, so people are still getting it. It's, it's still an issue. Hey, hey, Rose, the the big thing that I've heard is that younger people are getting it in a greater percentage of total. Were we seeing that in North Carolina? Yes, absolutely. Um, The folks who are getting it now, um, the largest number of folks who are getting it now are between the ages of 24 and and 54. And, you know, so they're – some of them are still ending up in the hospital, right? And um, that's probably a big part of the reason why the death rate has gone down is because these folks, they're more likely to survive a case of COVID. But, you know, you still, a couple of weeks in the hospital, you know, it's going to leave you pretty debilitated. You might end up with being one of those long COVID people. Sure. Um, you know, so it, it's still an issue for those. Yeah. Guys. And I think, I think it's probably going to be proven to be true that if you're young and you get a bad case of COVID, you're more likely to get long COVID. That is to say, you know, long-term side effects. I hate to say side effect. Long-term mm-hmm. problems from having it. And and it's really sad. Now, let me yep. – we've sort of plateaued. In fact, there are vaccines going begging. Um, how can we I get know. more people to get vaccinated? It's just really frustrating to me. Is it time it is to start paying people to get vaccinated? What do you think? Well, I think part of it is going to be availability, right? I think now, uh, I remember you talking early on that you were having a hard time getting vaccines in your office, but now you've got Not them, Not right? anymore. I mean, really? there are vaccines that are just everywhere. I I ordered up 200. I'm going to get them next week. And it's that's, that's just something unheard of. And right. I, I'm just wondering what we can do. We're not going to reach 70%. And what are we at now? 30% in North Carolina? 30% no, of people? No, 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 no. We're at 50%. Really? 0.3% of people have had at least one dose. Of, uh, of people have had at least one dose. Okay. Maybe it was 30% so, have had two. Yeah. But so we're, um, doing, we're doing well on that. Yeah. Did you, have you heard about the uh, what's going on in England? We're going to talk about this um, and how they beat it by doing something that our people are telling us they won't do, and that's to give everybody the first dose Yep. and then wait. And right now, I think they had two deaths in England yesterday. They've no, opened no, it, England it, it, back up. It, their numbers have dropped like a stone. There. Yeah, and the British variant, which is what we're all worried about, is yeah. in Britain, and sure. it's dead too. So I don't know about you. I would like to press um, some of our state officials into asking, have they looked into this? Because they're not required 
to do what the U.S. says. I mean, Mandy Cohen can say, okay, never mind. We're giving everybody the first dose. Come on down, and then we'll give you the second dose once everybody's had the first dose. Mm-hmm. And that, in the real world, that worked. It did. Well, as you know, in the past, I've asked your questions at the at the press conferences, so I'll put that one on my list. I think, yeah, you'd on, be but... famous if she says, okay, that's a good idea. I'm going to do it. Well, I, I mean— I doubt it. But— we all knew that there would be this strange sort of rush to get the vaccines very early. People were mm-hmm. jumping in line. Yeah. They were doing all these. Mm-hmm. And we all, it's almost like those post-apocalyptic, you know, yeah. movies where people are rushing forward for bottles of water or food. Yeah. We knew people would want this. Yeah, You know what would really then, help? Because your website is so good and influential. Yep. If you and I'm again, I'm not telling you what to write, but you know, sort of write what you may have heard that's bad about the vaccine and what's really true. Like it doesn't. Oh, you know, that's a great idea. It doesn't change your DNA. Bill right. Gates has not put in a microchip. He's getting a divorce. He doesn't have time he, to put in a microchip. He doesn't have time for that. Yeah. All right, well, listen. I mean, you know how small a microchip would need to be to get through the needle? Sure. Well, hey, it's there. Sure. After all, Bill Gates invented it. It would be much smaller, <laughs> much smaller than the microchip the aliens put in my nose. I'm just saying. <laughs> is that why I'm it's just got that, that green stuff is, coming out? Oh. Right. All right, listen. There's also a great article. Greg Barnes has written it. It's on NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org about harmful chemicals in North Carolina waterways. I want people to read that. Thank you, Rose. Thank As you, usual, you've been wonderful. She's we terrific. love having you. Thank you, Rose. Oh, well, it's great. It's, it's fun. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Um, so Christy Brinkley got a hip replacement. Yeah. And it She's does still wearing f- those high, you know, the, the bathing suits that show your whole hip? Yeah. Because she has a teeny weeny scar. Really? Yeah. So what happened was um, just when she was getting divorced from Billy Joel, and that's what, 20, 30 years ago, she was with her boyfriend who she thought was rich and turned out not to be so rich because his helicopter hadn't been properly maintained and it crashed in the mountains. They were going to do some helicopter skiing and they were going to jump out of the helicopter and ski down the mountain. Well, it crashed and she... You know, she cracked her hip, and she had what I had, which is just weight no weight-bearing for six weeks. Yeah. But she's older than me, and she sure looks a lot younger and a lot better than me or you. Yeah. And that's genes. Um, but anyway, so finally it got so bad in terms of the arthritis that developed that she had to have a hip replacement. And she's doing great. It's amazing people out there. The most important thing, if you remember, is you got to get the right surgeon. Okay, so there are surgeons in this area who have great, great. And there's not just one. There's a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. But have somebody put in your hip who is state of the art, who who does hips all the time. Right. And you're going to do well, most likely. Now, did you see her bandaid? She was on um, she was on. What was it? Not Facebook. What's the other Instagram? Yeah. You know, she was in a bathing suit. She's only a couple weeks after her surgery. She looked great. And there was a Band-Aid. And And it was a Flintstones Band-Aid. It had a little Barney rubble on it. You mean it was like a small incision? Yes. Really? A little Band-Aid incision. I'm not kidding. I know people who've had hip replacements. Slice a Ruski. Right. Their scar is six, eight 
inches long. Yeah, but I, she looked not great. Her, not when you're in I swear to God. Maybe she yeah. – what's that okay. called where you mess up the uh, the photos, you mess around with them? Yeah, Photoshop. Yeah, maybe she Photoshopped all the scar off except for the band. It could be. <laughs> could be. All right, Erica in Raleigh. Thank you very much for calling Heart Health Radio. Hi, Erica. Hi. Hey, what's up? I was going to find out what are the best pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds. All right, Erica, I'm having a hard time understanding. Slow down just a little bit, but speak up and ask that question again. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. What are the benefits of pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds? Sunflower seeds? Is that your question, Erica? Yes, yeah, sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin seeds. Okay. And pumpkin seeds. Yeah. Okay. okay. So um, one of the benefits is that if you get really good at it, yeah. you look really, really cool spitting those seeds across the room. <laughs> no. no, they are good for you because, number one, fiber. Okay. So yeah. they are the seed. They are the husk. And, um, I, you know, you chew that, you're going to get, even if you spit it out, you're going to get a lot of the husk and a lot of the fiber uh-huh. into your system. Number two, uh, they they do contain a lot of nutrition, um, a lot of protein, mm-hmm. B vitamins. They have a lot of vitamin C. So I think that pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds are great snacks. The, the, what you got to be careful if you have high blood pressure and if you have mm-hmm. congestive heart failure where you fill up with fluid a lot, you got to watch that they're not salted heavily. I, I don't really do them. Um, mm-hmm. I don't do the seeds. I know a lot of people who do, and they love them. Um, right. They feel good in your mouth. Uh, they give you a comfort sort of activity, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think they're great and if you um you, you know chew your sunflower seeds even if you spit out most of it you're getting <laughs> a lot of nutrition and one of the things that i th- really think is great is the fiber because we don't get enough fiber yeah you know you look at it our guts were designed for two things number one meat yeah number two uh plants that were not processed so uh-huh. whole grains and what is a whole grain? The whole grain has the husk. Yeah. So even if you chew it and spit out most of the husk, okay, you still get the benefit because all that fiber that you have chewed and swallowed gets mm-hmm. in your system. Does that help you, Erica? Okay, thank you. You're thank welcome. you. Appreciate it. Uh, this is Heart Health Radio, telephone number between noon and 2 on Saturdays. This Inspire thing for sleep apnea. Yeah. Is this really an implantable device? And and, is that worth it? Yeah. Let me say this. Um, Sleep apnea is one of my biggest bugaboos because as a cardiologist, what do I deal with? Atrial fibrillation. I deal with high blood pressure. Um, I deal with... One of the biggest complaints is, doctor, we filed, I'm just tired all right, the time. Right. I've got no get up and go. My get up and go got up and went. And <laughs> and it sleep apnea is so common. Right. And, and one of the things that I've learned over time from my own personal experience, 
when I didn't sleep, when I was in the hospital, I never slept. As a solo private practitioner for 10 years, I got called all the time. And I was tired all the time. I felt bad. And sleep is essential. I mean, eat, drink, sleep. And that's what life is all about. Um, Not really, but you can think of it that way. Anyway, so sleep apnea is so common. It's when our throats don't stay open when you're trying to breathe. And you have to breathe through your nose while you're in deep, deep sleep because your body's paralyzed. Everything's shut down except your midbrain. And you got to breathe. And if you can't, your body wakes you up. And you don't get that rejuvenation. Go ahead. Inspire. Yeah. What does it do? Okay, so the CPAP mask sits on your face and forces pressured air down your throat, opening up the muscles and the fat and the Uh tissue that's closing off your airway. So somebody was inspired to think about if you can't wear a mask, is there something else we can do? So a pacemaker will activate muscle. It activates your heart muscle, Uh any electrical signal. So they spent years and years and years developing the pacemaker uh, to be modified so that it puts out a tiny little signal to the muscles in your throat. Yeah. So they implant um, electrodes in appropriate places in your throat. I'm told you can't feel them. Good. When you swallow normally, you don't feel wires and stuff. That's what some of my patients are afraid of. But what it does, it senses when your body's trying to breathe. Yeah. And in coordination... It opens up the muscles of your throat so you yeah. don't have sleep apnea anymore. Huh. So I've had three patients get it, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and again, don't quote me on this, but the two of them were Blue Cross Blue Shield and have paid for it. Yeah. I do not know whether Medicare is going to pay for it. Um, I haven't had a Medicare patient get one, mm-hmm. but they've all done well. Um, I'm not going to say it's the be-all and end-all and the cure-all, but these are people who could not tolerate their CPAP. Um, they even tried um, Ashley, what's his name, Manns. Uh, oh, yeah. Not necessarily Ashley Mann, although one went to Ashley Mann and couldn't afford it. The device. Um, yeah, the device that jets your draw, your jaw out. And so to, one of them had had that and it didn't work. Yeah. So Duke University Medical Center puts it in. You can call them. You can get a referral from your physician if you're really wiped out from sleep apnea and you can't wear the mask. Look into it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but I'm really excited at this alternative. All right, good. We're going to talk to Tom and Four Oaks in just a moment. Also, green leafy vegetables going to help you live forever, and steak going to kill you. That's, that's the nutrition news of the week coming up on Heart Health Radio, on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to kick my this is Heart Health Radio. Who are we shouting out this week? June and Thomas Rayner. Yeah. I know they listened last week. Uh, I hope they're listening now. Uh, they've been my patients for 15 years. Um, I won't go into details about uh, why they see me, but I can just tell you right now, they're both doing great. Good. Um, June's going to get some surgery. Tom has been hanging in there. He just had some great news about some of his tests. But I'm shouting him out because I love them. They're great people. They they are just, they got hearts of gold. And they've been yeah. together for a long time. And I've, you know, never heard them, you know, say a, a negative thing about their health. They just take the advice. They 
take their medicines and they get better. And I'm really excited that they're new listeners to the show. That's great. Uh, and the the thing that made me really happy was that apparently last week they had some plans, and so they were going to listen to just a little bit of the show. Yeah. Yeah, they missed their plans, and they listened, and they, they kept can- listening. They canceled their plans yeah. so that they could listen to the rest of and the show. And she even sent me a text saying, <laughs> good show. Yes, I do give my phone number to my patients. Wonderful. Um, I do, because it's the best way to communicate. So, June and Thomas, if you're listening, we love you. All right. We've got Tom in Four Oaks on the line. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. Good. How can the doctor help you today? Well, I was just talking with him, the the shout-out part. I'm one of his patients. Yeah. uh, I just want to say he's a super doctor. He's a smart man, and he's in a good good slot. Is this uh, Thomas Rayner? Last week, and I've uh, been listening to, to some of his uh, past uh, programs. Yeah. And uh, you, I tried to do several things, and uh, every time I'd walk away, I'd come back to the radio. So Bless you. Uh, I was locked down for a couple hours listening to him. That's great. I think, uh, I think so, we, did you the, hear we just shouted you out? Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. good. All right. Oh. This yeah, is Tom, was, as in yeah, Thomas. I, I got clicked back on uh, to you, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I want to say, I just want to give you a shout out back uh, for doing a good job with us. You know, you pulled me out a few times, and uh, I'm doing uh, much, much better on the medication you put me on here for the AFib. Okay. Very good. good. So I just wanted, to, uh, I just wanted to hit base with you on that also. All right, Tom. We love you, Tom. We love you. you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Love y'all. Appreciate- y'all have a good program. Appreciate it. We're talking about him. Oddly enough, he had already called in. Yeah. So it's not like he called in because yeah. he heard his name. Yeah, he took a pause to hear his name, I think. All right. Listen, we're, we're going to talk about this. The articles are appearing that say green leafy vegetables will save your life. And there are also articles, probably every year, saying steak will kill you. Yeah. Hold on just a moment, okay. doctor, because we're going to hear from respected nutritionists. Um, well, one of my favorite respected nutritionists, I've forgotten his name. Um, oh, Jim Gaffigan. Can we stop with the kale propaganda? <laughs> that stuff tastes like bug spray. I was looking at a can of bug spray. It said made with real kale. <laughs> but that's the latest health trend. There's a new one every six weeks. When I was a little kid, cottage cheese. Cottage cheese was considered healthy. My mom and my sisters were being healthy by eating this tub of cheese curds. Because to be thin, you eat things that look like cellulite. <laughs> so, so the notion is every six weeks, they yeah, tell something you something new. new. Okay, I will say this. Green leafy vegetables are good for you. And good. then, you know, why? Nutritious, vitamins, uh, the, everything we talk about, the fiber. Yeah. But don't think that's the secret to longevity. Yes, eat them. Yes, enjoy them. I mean, asparagus? Yeah. I mean, there's only one bad side effect of asparagus in certain individuals. Gassy? It's smelly, and number one becomes smelly. But it's good for you. Um, And, you know, the no-no diet motto is greens and meat are what you should eat Mm -hmm. because there's no sugar 
and it has been shown to reduce inflammation. But the only way that you're going to know that green leafy vegetables prolong your life is what we call a prospective study, where you get a bunch of people who eat them and a bunch of people who don't, who have the same demographics, uh, that is to say, you know, age and sex and racial background, and see if those who eat them yeah. live longer. Yeah. But like I said, you know, keeping your weight down, not smoking, keep your blood pressure under control. Really, in my mind, it doesn't matter how you do it. Exercise. Um, you're going to do the best you can to keep your mm-hmm. body living as long as it can. Steak. But don't search for the fountain of youth. I mean, spinach right. may have helped Popeye. Yeah. And it may help you. But don't latch on to these things as the secret to long life because they're not. And don't eat kale just because it's you kale. think it's going to help you in that regard. Have you ever tried it? I have. Made me sick just Gaff- thinking about it. Gaffigan's right. It does taste like bug spray. Yeah. I like, okay, spinach. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. especially like it all steamed up and smushy. Sure. Brussels sprouts. Yeah. They got to be done right. Yeah. You know, lots of butter. Okay. Uh, asparagus I like. And broccoli. Okay, those are three things that, four things that for me, taste good. Right. Now, are they good for me? I think so. Are they going to make me live longer? Mm, I don't think so. I think that longevity, numero uno, is genetic. And it doesn't mean that you can't make yourself live a little bit longer by eating well and exercising. But don't think that eating kale is going to make you 114 years old someday. Okay. I now, seriously doubt it. Now, we have to spend about a half a minute reminding other folks about the other thing that can help you live longer. That's taking your doctor's advice and instruction. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people like me, diabetics, who are ignoring it, okay, who yeah. are not taking their meds. Wishful thinking, um, uh, whatever they, goes into I'll it. I'll just eat stuff that doesn't raise your sugar. Right. It's almost impossible. It is impossible. And type 2 diabetes is a genetic condition. Uh Um, What it is is that your body has insulin. Yeah. But your insulin is not efficient. And why is that? Because you're, okay, let's just say Dave. We'll make this personal. We'll make it personal. You've got about four seconds to do it. Well, anyway, your body was designed to store fat so that in times of famine, you would have sugar to power your brain. And now there's no famine. Right. And now you're, you're overweight. This is Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. Heart Health Radio. Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio, FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Telephone lines are open at 919-860-9783. Sometimes people don't want to call us. Well, they think that, you know, maybe, just maybe they'll embarrass themselves. You can't. Yeah. And, you know, if you have that pressing question... Um, we're all about internal medicine, which mm-hmm. means heart, lung, 
kidneys, brain. You know, that's what internal medicine is. In case you don't know, I, cardiologists don't just go to heart school. Right. You do four years of med school, then you've got to do three years of what internal medicine is. And people think, what is internal medicine? That's everything. Okay. Well, I would think everything that that's non-surgical. Medicine. Yeah, everything that's non-surgical, and you got to know it because you got to get board certified, right? Before you become a cardiologist, and then cardiology was four years. And let me tell you, if you ask a physician, seventy percent of what they see in general practice mm-hmm. is something to do with the heart, right? High blood pressure. You know, coronary artery disease, um, diabetes, they're mm-hmm. all heart-related. So ask away. If I don't know something, I'm going to say I don't know. But I, it's been rare that I didn't know something, you know, about what people call. Yeah, I about. understand. And it's fun, too, because you may have preconceptions that are leading you to, you know, control your health in a certain way that may right. not be true. And, you know... Your co-host here has had two-thirds of anything, all the diseases that people call up about. So if you need to commiserate with somebody who's a di- you know, if you're a diabetic or you got, you got a heart stance or you just wobbly when you walk or, you know, well, you, but you know, the other get thing confused. Is, is you know. you're, you're an example of how life can be made better through medicine and surgery. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I hate to say it. But you're lucky you were born in this age. Sure. If you were born in 1880, you would have been one of those people who died at age 45. Right. More, more than likely. Yeah. yeah. I, no, I had heart stents, uh, you know, five years ago. Yeah. So, you know, we're really talking about a moment in my life when I could have had a heart attack. Right. Very easily. Right. And yet they put the stents in. Now I've, I haven't, again, had a heart attack, but they... Uh, they noticed that there was blockage. Yeah. Now, that's a procedure which is relatively new in the yeah. course of history right. that they would determine that my blood vessels are not working right? and they go ahead and fix it. Yeah. So the first uh, intervention mm-hmm. against coronary artery disease or blockages was in the 60s. Okay. Right. So David Sabison at Duke was one of the first people to do bypass surgery. And what allowed that was the ability to stop the heart and run it through an artificial heart-lung machine. Right. And then, do you know who invented the uh, the angioplasty, which was the first thing, a balloon treatment? Yeah. You invented that? No. It was a guy named Andreas Grunzig, and he was a German guy working in the United States. And he just put together his own little balloon and found yeah. a guy who was willing to do it and uh, found a medical center. I can't remember where it was. I think it was Emory. I may be wrong. And they ballooned open this guy's blockage. And you want to know something? Angioplasties came, the, the blockage came back from a scar 70% of the time. Yeah. Last I heard, the guy who had the first angioplasty never came back, and he was doing very well. And then Cayman, do you know who that guy is? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Daniel Cayman, maybe. There's a guy who was, um, what's the name of that uh that wheeled vehicle that went around, you know, you stood on it and you moved around. Oh, my gosh. Segway? Segway. He invented yeah. the Segway. But before he did that, he invented the stent, the coronary really? stent. Yeah. He's a pretty smart guy, although Segway's gone the way of the dodo bird. But anyway, the point is, yeah. it's really been 50 years. The last 50 years that 
you know, the heart has been something we can work on. And I don't know who invented the valve, uh, the artificial valve. I don't know who invented the balloon treatment for valves. I don't know who invented the clip on the mitral valve uh, to keep it from leaking. But it's just an amazing time that we live in. And the number one reason why people are living longer through heart disease are the statins. Right. I mean, the cholesterol medicines, Lipitor, Crestor, all the other tours. I mean, it's just an amazing time in which we live. And Larry in Raleigh. Welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing, Larry? Fine. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good. Hey. What's going on? Uh, look, quick question. Is there any truth to the fact uh, I have heard folks who have uh, contracted COVID, uh, recovered from it, and then uh, were vaccinated are developing swollen lymph nodes. And my other question would be, how long would you wait to be vaccinated if you uh, had a good case of COVID? Those are excellent questions. Just to restate, he says, all right, people are having COVID, recovered from it, get the vaccine, and then their lymph nodes Swell. swell. Okay, so what is a lymph node? Your body is constantly fighting invaders, okay? And I'm not talking about space invaders. I'm talking about bacteria and viruses. Yeah. There are little channels, teeny-weeny things, that carry a clear liquid out of your arms and your legs and Mm -hmm. your gut to your heart. And they're called lymphatic channels. And what they are are the clear, sometimes murky liquid of dead White cells mm-hmm. um, that have killed a bacteria and sacrificed themselves for your health. Mm-hmm. And they travel up these channels and they go through things called nodes. Now, what are nodes? Nodes are like a fortress where you have other immune cells that mm-hmm. sit there and wait and attack things that, that got through. You can have a swollen lymph node when you have an infection. So I don't know if any of you have had a bad earache and you just didn't do anything about it for months mm-hmm. and the ear got separative. I like that word. That means it's full of bacteria mm-hmm. and the lymph node gets swollen and tender. Why? Because it's full of bacteria that are in the process of dying. And so your node will swell with yeah. all those extra Immune cells is killing it, a, it off. Is it a big deal? Uh, no. And so a lymph node can swell because you have lymphoma yeah. or a lymph node can swell because it's fighting off an infection. And yes, if you've had COVID, uh, your body is primed to fight off that spike protein and fight off other things. So if you get the vaccine in rare cases, your immune reaction to the vaccine will be so intense mm-hmm. that your lymph nodes will gather up. Uh, a lot of that spike protein where it is just beaten to all get out by your immune system. And it's not a dangerous thing. It's uncomfortable. It's not dangerous. And it is, you know, something that you're going to recognize and you go to, you may go to your doctor and he or she may confirm this. But a painful swollen lymph node is almost always an infection. A large rubbery, non-tender and non-painful lymph node can be something else that needs to be looked at. Mm-hmm. Now, the second question is, how long do you wait? And here's the answer. I don't know, and nobody knows, because there's not enough data on it. I generally tell my patients, eh, three to three or months or so. But here's the kicker that that is um, maybe a reason for you to get it earlier. And there are some people with long COVID who have 
shortness of breath and mm-hmm. they're fatigued, they have brain fog. Yeah. Some of them, and I'm not sure the percentage, have actually gotten better with the vaccine. Right. So the concept is you still have all these antibodies against the spike protein that you got naturally from the illness. And they may have an autoimmune function. So like in rheumatic fever, you get a strep throat, you get an antibody against the strep. If you have the genetic susceptibility, that antibody also is cross-reactive with your heart valve. Mm -hmm. You wind up getting rheumatic heart disease where your heart valve gets attacked. Well, some people with long COVID, they think it might be, and it's not proven, that you have a cross-reactivity with the antibody you made against the spike protein against your own tissue. So the concept of the vaccine helping is you get the vaccine, billions and billions of spike proteins are formed from the Mm -hmm. vaccine, Mm -hmm. and they sop up those bad antibodies. The antibodies attach to them, and they get sopped up so they can no longer attack your own body. Now, this is all supposition, but it goes to the point where people really don't know. And if you hear somebody who says you should get it X amount of time afterwards, there's no data on that. There's no right answer. But I generally tell my patients, why not three months? I mean, you know, you've gotten over it. Um, For the most part, um, I still would get the vaccine because you might be super, super immune. Larry, what is your status? Uh, well, I ha- actually, I didn't contract COVID yes. uh, living with my wife. Now, he had every symptom except respiratory problems, thankfully. Yes. Okay. Uh, but, but she had everything else, and it took her like two and a half weeks to get well. Right. Uh, but she was never seriously ill like, unfortunately, some folks. Thank God. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, so, but, uh, you know, what I find fascinating is that I didn't catch it. Right. Living in the same house with her, you did not get it. Listen, my experience, no. yeah, my experience with COVID is, is like nothing I have ever seen before. I, yeah. Let me give you an example. I had a guy who had really bad lungs, um, yeah. a bad heart. He yeah. was overweight, okay? Yeah. The wife was healthy. I mean, you know, she had maybe a little bit of high blood pressure. They were both my patients. Um, The only thing that happened to her was (laughs) she was in a car wreck and lost her leg. But anyway, they both got it. Yes. He was asymptomatic, the guy with all the health conditions. Right. She died in three days. Oh, no. Yeah. So this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. You talk about risk factors. You talk about those conditions that might make you have a more serious illness. Right. And, you know, they hold for the most part, but just whatever. That's all right. Larry, say, Larry's got people in the background dropping yeah. spoons. That's okay. Larry. Th- <laughs> I apologize. That's, that's all right. okay. What do you, what do you, what's, what's on the spoon? A cup of coffee? No, no. I, <laughs> Actually, no uh, fertilizer, plant fertilizer. Oh, well, okay. Oh, you have the garden? Good that's nice. Good yeah. Home garden. <laughs> that's good. Larry, got to go. Thank yeah, you. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the show. Thank, thank you, you very much. You know, you know what I bet he's growing? You want know a green leafy vegetable. Yes. He yes. heard our show. He went all the way to uh, Ace <laughs> Hardware, and he's planting green leafy vegetable. Yep. Now he's going to get a cow, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So on this radio program, Dr. Fauci's group, I forget uh, what it's called. 
They spent money on what? Well, let me tell you. No, don't say it. Okay. We're going to keep it. That's coming up. Also, clots, that's been a big thing in the news. But I think it's important to go over it again. And B12. Yeah. Should you go get some B12? I'll talk about that. Okay. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio, where we play the hits. Evelyn Champagne King and Shame. Shame. The Fauci's... Yeah, I hate to say it. Um, There was something called gain-of-function studies. I don't know if we've talked about that before. But where they uh, hire these labs to um, make viruses more dangerous... And oh then study how to treat them. Right. And there's a quote from Fauci from 2011 or somewhere around then where he says, I think the risk is worth it. And there's no proof that what happened uh, with the coronavirus was secondary to a gain-of-function study. But I think the answer from all of this mess is that even if COVID-19 was not a gain-of-function virus – it's a bad idea to try to make viruses as dangerous as COVID-19 just to see if we can treat it. Because, oh. listen, people are not perfect. And, you know, I, there's a lot of evidence. The CDC, former CDC director and some people in the CDC think it came from the Wuhan lab. Right. But the truth is that money from the NIH, from Fauci's deal, yeah. got into the Wuhan lab to study these things that are dangerous. And we got to stop. Now, what else is he doing? Um, his agency just spent $400,000 on experiments grafting aborted fetal scalps onto mice and rats. And I guess they're trying to see if they can treat infections of the skin better. And I, all I got to say is, what the heck are they thinking? Right. How is that model? Right. going to be any better than studying skin cells in a culture or just studying human beings. I mean, right. grafting a fetal scalp onto a mice and a mouse and a rat, I'm sorry. That's a waste of money. I just I don't see it. And, and a lot of research, you know, every year somebody comes up with a list of research that's ridiculous. That's okay? ridiculous. I'm sorry. You, if it's both ridiculous and includes the phrase fetal skin right. cells, yeah. you should just say, yeah, yeah maybe I mean, we pass on that one. And, and remember yeah. when Reagan and Bush outlawed fetal research, fetal right. cell research. Right. It was put back in uh, a later administration. Right. And they've been doing it. And I can never forget Reagan's son getting on the Democratic convention saying fetal stem cell research will cure all these diseases. And and my dad died of Alzheimer's. It'll cure Alzheimer's. And that's just not been true. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, all the most of the studies that you hear of advances are from skin stem cells. They're from stem cells that are already in existence. And now we can transform them with uh, interventions in the lab dish. So Mm -hmm. if somebody tells you that fetal stem cells are important or essential for research, tell them, show me the proof. 
Show me the evidence. It doesn't exist. Tell me about B12. Yeah, B12 is so important. It's one of those um, vitamins that are involved in so many different functions in your body, the brain, the legs, and really important is the nerves. Um, B12 deficiency can lead to paralysis. And I I have seen, uh, personally, I got called in for somebody who had a heart arrhythmia, and he was paralyzed, and he was sitting in... The insane asylum. Oh, no, I'm not allowed to use that. Sitting in mental health. Yeah. And because he was talking gibberish and and his family doctor said, well, I think he's just, you know, not uh, off his, well, he's off his rocker. Let's just put him in mental health. And I looked at him and he had the classic signs of B12 deficiency, pernicious madness. Okay. So what is that? That means you have so little B12 in your brain that it's not working right. And B12 deficiency most commonly manifests itself as an anemia. And what happens, your red blood cells get really big and your bone marrow can't produce enough. And so it's really become an issue because there are subclinical B12 deficient patients out there. Right. it's pretty obvious when somebody goes nuts and, and you check the B12 and it's really low, you treat it and they get better. But there are people walking around fatigued and they don't have sleep apnea and their legs mm-hmm. are kind of weak. And I measure B12 now as a standard part of my lab screening. Right. And I, so many people are B12 deficient. And it's not as though they aren't doing the right thing. By eating correctly. I mean, yeah. if you eat meat and fish and milk and cheese and eggs and fortified breakfast cereal, so you have your cocoa pebbles, you know, fortified with B12. But for some reason, they're still B12 deficient. Right. Now, there are illnesses that cause you to have B12 deficiency, um, Crohn's disease, terminal ileitis. You can't absorb it. Yeah. But get your B12 checked. If it's really low, you need shots. If it's only mildly low, you need to start taking supplements. Now, I got a question about vitamins in general. I yeah. think you can answer this very briefly because Bill is is hanging on uh, the phone. If I'm deficient in a particular vitamin, I can, or if I suspect I am, before I go buy a bunch of stuff, can I just ask my doctor yes. to run a... Yeah, and, you know, the doctor can – there's all sorts of vitamin levels now. Right. Um, and I think it's worthwhile uh, if you're going to – if you Google and think that your symptoms are from a vitamin deficiency, go to your doctor and have him or her check, he or right. she check, right, and see if you're really deficient. All right. Bill in Raleigh, thank you for waiting. How you doing, Bill? Uh, doing fine. Another great show. Uh, I'd like to commend you, as always. Um Thank you. Typically a great show. Thank you. Um, what I wanted to call about was uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, D- yeah. Dr. Weifel, uh referred to gain of function. There's a good article by Jerry Dunleavy. Uh-huh. He's a uh, Justice Department reporter about the uh, grants that were given to uh, Echo Health Alliance um, about this gain of function. And, uh, you know, when the COVID first broke out, I... I Google our Google a lot on the internet, and I I discovered something that I haven't heard recently, but that um, the uh, lab in Houston, Texas, is work was working in conjunction with Wuhan Lab right. on this um, this research gain of function and the difference or the 
combination between animal to animal and animal to human uh, transmissions. Um, that that's something that was uh, sort of disturbing to me, but typically uh, that's how these mega com- uh, countries work. Uh, everybody's working in conjunction with one another. Uh, same way with the space program and, right. and other things. Right. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, because uh, Doctor likes likes to read a good book that's just recently come out about the inefficiency of our government health agencies, oh, is my. written by Michael Lewis. He wrote the book, a, a new book. It's the title of it is The Premonition, and yep. um, I watched his two interviews on television. Uh, Amapur is one. Christina Amapur is yeah. one, and uh, he's he, he, briefly in his interviews. He's covered a lot of information, but I think the book will do more justice to, to his point of view that how um, inefficient uh, these large uh, bureaucratic agencies are, and they're just uh, sort of tokens sitting around collecting paychecks off the taxpayer. Yeah. Um, I hate to sound so cynical, but, <laughs> but um, he's, really, he's really kind of uh, hit the nail on the head. Uh, so th- that's pretty much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Yes. Okay. You've given the doctor lots to think about. Oh, yeah. And I, read. Well, after the hour, I'll talk to you more about Michael Lewis. I went to college with him. Did you really? Yeah, he's in my class. Fantastic. Excellent. That's yeah. what I love about this show. Uh, Doctor is so well connected. And, he is. And, he is. Uh, Bill, we've so, got to we've got to run. The news people actually are requesting some time on the radio in about four seconds. <laughs> Ten four. Thanks. Thank you. Thank uh, you. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Welcome to Heart Health with board certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Doctor Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. Telephone number 919-860-9783. By the way, we were talking about B12 just a moment ago. Mm -hmm. I got a call from my doctor. Really? I was low in vitamin D. D. And they put me on a supplement right away. Are you taking the big uh, fifty thousand units once a week? Well, I haven't, I haven't you actually picked it, picked up, it yeah. up yet. So what yeah. we generally do in vitamin D deficiency, <laughs> it depends on how low it is. Um, I don't treat until they're below twenty. I mean, in terms of the big uh-huh. runs. Uh, yeah. What I generally do will start fifty thousand units of vitamin D three uh, once a week for about twelve weeks. And then recheck it um, and see if it's gone back up. Quite frequently, it's not gone back up, which means that you don't really absorb it that well for whatever reason. Right. If it goes back up, uh, then I'll put somebody on a little bit of a supplement every day because it means that they didn't really get it. Right. But vitamin D is made by the sun on your skin. Right. So that's one of the reasons why they think that white people are white is because when they ventured up north into the barrens of the Arctic, so to speak, um, the melanin uh, in uh, dark-skinned individuals uh, absorbs sunlight and makes it a less producer of vitamin D. So if you went up north and had dark skin and 
you wouldn't absorb enough sunlight to produce vitamin D. That's the theory. Yeah. But anyway, you don't want to just get, you know, vitamin D from sunlight because you could, if you're, you know, white as rice as you are. Yeah. Um, very pale. You know, you could yeah. get burned and then you could get skin cancer later well, on. So are you sort of prescribing that I sit in the sun a little bit? A little bit more. All right. Do you also, even though I'm not ill, do you suggest that I I drink plenty of liquids? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Lots of water. Lots. And I'll oh, tell I you how much is lots. Unless you have kidney failure or heart failure. I wasn't hinting on water. I was going for the full Monty here that possibly uh, you could suggest I sit with a margarita next oh, to the pool. I see. I see. Well, you know, since you're moving temporarily to where I live, yeah, sort of, we're going to test that theory. We're going to sit at the pool and drink margaritas. I like this And plan. see what happens. I love this a prospective A prospective study. I'm willing to do a longitudinal study. Longitudinal something analysis. Something that asks decades yeah. long. And then we'll measure your, your vitamin D before and after. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a plan. John in Apex. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm fine. I hope you gentlemen are doing fine on this beautiful day, Mother's Day weekend. Yeah, we're doing all right. What's up? Well, I have a question. Uh, the doctor spoke about statins earlier, uh, and I'm having issues with statins now. My cholesterol is perfect. It's in range, but the doctor said this might be something you want to take because you're, you know, you're 72 and just gives you 10, 20% more chance of not having a stroke or, right. or uh, heart attack. But the side effects, the first one, uh, I can't pronounce it, uh, Russo something statin, uh, I couldn't take. And the second one, Liberture, uh, it, it just after six months of taking it, I noticed in the last two weeks that my legs were really weak and, you know, it's causing some issues, uh, you know, balance of walking. So uh, I just wonder what your, your thoughts are. I mean, could I get my blood checked twice a year, check the cholesterol, and if it's good, no problem? Or, or is there something else I can do to minimize the effect of Liberture? Great question. I'm a big believer that statins have been probably one of the most important things that have happened in mm -hmm. cardiology because they've really saved millions of lives. Statins can cause side effects. Um, muscle aches and weakness, joint aches, uh, sometimes confusion can happen. Um, and that's, that's a definite. It's what leads, you know, colleagues of mine on the radio, like the People's Pharmacy, to say, never take a statin. That's wrong. Um, the thing that you can do is one of two things, okay? And and I'm going to talk about something that I'm not going to really recommend, um, and and then I'll talk about what I do recommend, is mm -hmm. that you stop it, okay? And it's okay to stop for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. You call your doctor, make sure it's okay. And then have you heard of CoQ10? It's a yeah. vitamin supplement. There are some people... Uh, and the studies, unfortunately, have not been done and thoroughly, is that if you take 100 milligrams of CoQ10 twice a day or 200 milligrams once a day, it helps prevent the muscle weaknesses that people experience. Um, and so that's one way to look at it, restart it. Now, there are two types of statins. One is fat-soluble, and one group is water-soluble. So an example of the fat-soluble would be simvastatin or Zocor. An example of the water soluble would be Crestor or Rosuvastatin. Some people think the fat-soluble ones are more likely to cause muscle aches because they're soluble in your fat. You have fat in your, in your legs. The, that 
pravastatin, which is the uh, ultimate f- first one, water-soluble, does have the fewest side effects. Now, there's one other thing that you can do, mm-hmm. and I'm not recommending this, but if it were me, this is what I would do, is I'd get somebody to make a placebo pill that <laughs> looks just like my statin <laughs> pill, okay? And yeah. then put them in a bottle yeah, and give me the same bottles for three months in a row and then switch to the other one for three months in a row and don't tell me which one I'm taking. Okay, so in other words, you know, Dave would put together the bottles and would give me bottle A group for three months, Mm -hmm. not tell me if it was placebo and then give me bottle B and say the opposite of what it really is. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me the placebo is the statin. Yeah. And then another study. Tell me the statin is the placebo. Yeah. They've done this study and guess who had the most side effects. I don't know. The people who were taking a placebo and were told it was a statin. The least side effects, the people who were taking a statin and told it was a placebo. Now, did John, uh, addressing you, John, did you have actual what you figure are side effects? Yeah, uh, he was telling us the muscle weakness. And that's definitely a possible side effect. Both of them, yeah. uh, and I'm pretty tolerant. Uh, I really am. I'm not you know, one that complains a lot. But last two weeks, uh, this was something different. Uh, it sure, the impact in my motion and weak uh, weakness in the, in the legs. And I, I was reading it. I don't know if I pronounce this right. Myositis. He's trying uh, to myositis. Now, here's here's the third thing I was going to tell you is you need to go to your doctor and you need to talk to your doctor about this because you can get a myopathy or a myositis where your muscles get weak. I've had one patient who took a statin and developed a myositis and myopathy and their muscles deteriorated and they got kidney failure and nearly died. Oh and the only medicine that could have been associated with this was the statin. Now, I, I may be scaring a lot of people. I don't want to get myositis. I don't want to get kidney failure yeah. from rhabdomyolysis. It's extremely rare, but which is which is why you need to only take a statin on the the recommendation of a physician mm-hmm. and under a physician's monitoring. Mm-hmm. So if you do get weak muscles and you do get aching in your muscles, you need to have certain blood tests to see if the muscles are really getting weak. Uh, CPK is an enzyme that gets released when your muscles are weak. Aldolase uh, is another enzyme that can be measured. And the most important thing um, is to call your physician and say, look, I'm getting these muscle aches. I'm getting this muscle weakness. Uh, I want to stop my statin. 99.9% of the time, they're going to say it's okay because you can be without a statin for a period of time and not wreck your heart. So, go call your doctor. Find out if the my- myositis is really what's going on. If you stop it, you don't have myositis, you just had leg weakness and, and nonspecific symptoms, ask your doctor if you can take the CoQ10 and maybe start a different statin that's mm-hmm. water-soluble and may have less side effects. Okay, and I guess the final question is uh, if I get my blood checked twice a year for cholesterol. Or- yeah. 
It looks great. Do I need to take a statin? He's, I thought statin was supposed to keep the cholesterol low. John's cholesterol, has normalized. according to his doctor, yeah. is great. Yeah. Before? John, is that? Right, right, before, it was great before you took your statin. That's what we need to know, John. Oh, yeah. No, was it fine before? I've never had cholesterol problems. Okay, never so why why does he or she have you on it? Because he's in his 70s. Oh. And they say, well, you know, okay. there's all these researches saying. Okay, I'm going to say this, if it, what I do for my patients. Yeah. Okay. If you have evidence of cholesterol buildup, a heart attack, you've had a heart cath or a positive stress test, I don't care what your cholesterol level is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend you take a statin. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because statins don't just lower cholesterol. They're an amazing anti-inflammatory medication. And mm-hmm. so they prevent heart attacks not just by lowering your cholesterol, but by reducing the inflammation that burns up the inside of your arteries and cause clots to form. Yeah. Now, one of the ways that I find out if you're a cholesterol person is I get ultrasounds of your neck. Now, the arteries you can feel right under the skin, they're called the carotid arteries. And generally, if you've got cholesterol buildup in your heart or your legs, you're going to see some cholesterol buildup, may not much, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a lot, in the arteries of your carotids or your neck. I treat those individuals with a statin no matter what their cholesterol level is because of the anti-inflammatory effects and because they have cholesterol buildup. Yeah. Don't do this on your own. But, you know, sit down and talk to your doctor and say, look, I don't have a heart disease history. I've never had a stroke. Do I really need this statin? And I think that's a conversation that should be really important to you and your physician because any medicine can have side effects. I may be poo-pooing and I'm not meaning. That may sound like I'm poo-pooing and I'm not poo-pooing. Statins are a serious medication that need to be prescribed by a physician and monitored by a physician. Maybe, just maybe, someone who is in their 70s, doesn't have any cholesterol buildup, never had a family history, doesn't smoke, isn't diabetic, doesn't have high blood pressure. A lot of them I don't treat. Right. You know, I don't treat them. So I'm not saying you should quit, but I'm saying you have this conversation with your personal physician. Well, I do have a, a note in to him, so I'm waiting to hear back uh, first of the week. So I, w- I will. Well, that's all great information. Thank you for clarifying a lot of that, and I feel a lot better. Well, we all love right. you. Call us anytime. Thank you, John. Thank you. Telephone number at uh, the headquarters here, 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Doctor wants to talk about a couple of things, including gut bacteria. Yeah. Something called ischemia, and the fact that some surgeons are kind of upset with other groups of people about the possibility of treatment. And it's funny because, you know, these are stent surgeons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have stents. When you have a hammer, yes, sometimes everything looks like a nail. Yeah. And that's what I want to talk about. If you're focused on your thing, sometimes you... You're not the best. Right. You can't think outside the box. In fact, a lot of people don't realize they're in a box. Yeah. But they're but they're in a box. Um, and bowel cancer. Let's talk about bowel, bowel cancer right now. Yeah. 
Um, there is a symptom that I haven't talked about. We have talked about changes in bowel habits uh, as a sign. So you used to have you know loose stools. Now they're hard and you have constipation. It could yeah. be that you've changed your diet. It could be whatever. But that's something that needs to be talked about with your physician. Change in bowel habit. Dramatic change in bowel habits are a risk or a sign sometimes that you have colon cancer. Um, abdominal pain. Uh, sometimes can be a sign that you have colon cancer. For sure, is bright red blood per rectum. We used to call it BRBP. And what that is, is when you have a bowel movement and on the outside of your bowel movement you have blood. Mm. That can be a hemorrhoid. Don't, but don't just assume it's a hemorrhoid. Get that checked out. But there's another symptom I haven't talked about, which is actually an important symptom, and it's called tenesmus. You ever heard of that? Mm-mm. Okay, so tenesmus is when you feel like you got to poop, but there's no poop, okay? So it's the urge to defecate, and you have to go, and you go to the bathroom, and you sit on the can, and <laughs> it's like, okay, there wasn't really, it's false alarm poop. It's called tenesmus, and and there that is a sign uh, that you have possibly, not for sure, but possibly you have colon cancer. They think it's because the cancer itself stimulates the bowel to think there's something that needs to be evacuated, and it won't be evacuated. Now, I did have a patient who had colon cancer who called me up and said, Dr. Weefald, I just pooped out some tissue. And I sort of said, you mean Scott tissue? And she said, no, no, it looks like a chunk of of living material. It turns out she had pooped out part of her colon cancer. So bright red blood per rectum, uh, even melana. Okay, what is that? That's dark, tarry-looking bowel movement. Um, The feeling like you got to poop, but there's no poop. And I mean, that can happen every now and then, but if it happens a lot. Changes in bowel habits. And then one final thing for all of you who are grossed out. Yes. It's when your stools are pencil thin. And they look like a pencil, whereas before they look like a poop. Um, and that can be because the colon cancer is what we call a ring. Um, mm. And through the ring is being – it's sort of like Play-Doh. You remember when you had to put that thing in and squeeze yeah. the Play-Doh and it came yes. out like a pencil? Yeah. Same sort of thing. That's called an apple core lesion. Scott, I don't know. It looks like an apple core. Yeah. Yeah. The best part of Heart Health Radio yeah. is knowing that no matter how many – talk stations you could possibly receive on your radio. Yeah. Imagine a thousand. Imagine a million radio shows. <laughs> this is the only one that just talked about that. Well, no, but it's important. You know, let it me tell important. you something, okay? Yes. Colon cancer was frequently the cancer you can't talk about. Yes. Okay, remember Katie Couric? Yes. Her husband. Got colon cancer, and he died from it. And she went on a campaign. And I think, you know, as much as I think Katie Couric has done some stupid things, she did some great things here. She had a colonoscopy live and on TV. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't show her anus. They didn't show her butt cheeks. Well, they showed the inside of her. They showed the inside of her. Yeah. And so we got to be more comfortable talking about bowel habits because – when you have colon cancer and it is diagnosed way early, okay, you'll yes. live. Yes. If you wait and that colon cancer is stage four, what does that mean? It's gone to your liver. Yes. It's gone to your brain. 
there's it's just a devastating illness. Now, President Reagan had colon cancer. He lived in 96. Right. Why is that? He had a routine colonoscopy. And his lesion had eaten through the abdominal wall. It was all the way to the outside. Hmm. It had not gone past the colon. He had he had to have surgery, not just a polypectomy where they take out the polyp with a snare. They cut his colon in one place, cut it in the other place, took out the section with the tumor, and sewed it back together. He lived in 96. Now, he had bad Alzheimer's, which had nothing to do with his colon cancer. But the point I'm trying to make is don't poo-poo <laughs> your colon cancer signs. Take them seriously. Oh, I'm getting that T-shirt. It, don't poo-poo it. Don't poo-poo your colon cancer signs. That's a uh, this no, public. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna um, copyright that because I just thought of that. This public service announcement brought to you by Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. Barbara and Raleigh will pick up with you in just a moment on Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up. to Heart Health Radio in its entirety on Apple Podcasts or by going to WPTF.com. Neat part about it is that you get nothing but the show top to top to bottom. And the two-hour show ends up being about an hour and 35 minutes, which is a good hour and 35 yeah, minutes for you. Absolutely. Good Barbara, hour. Barbara, we're shouting we're you shouting out We're shouting you today. out. We don't even know you. We, yeah, we, we, we haven't... She could have a lousy question, and it wouldn't matter because we love her. Barbara, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank you very much. Hey, what's up? I'm wondering if you will have the doctor address restless leg syndrome. Sure. Yes. Yes. It's not fun at all. Let me ask you a question. Do you have it? I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, restless leg syndrome is often confused with periodic limb movement disorder, which is at nighttime. Yeah. So periodic limb movement disorder is when you can't stop budging your legs around when you're sleeping. Yeah. Restless legs is what we refer to during the day. And when you can't keep your legs still, the muscles begin to ache. And they think it's a disorder of the nerves firing into the muscle. They don't think it's a muscle disorder. Um, it's terrible. I mean, it can really ruin your life mm-hmm. because you just, number one, can't sit still. Number two, you you hurt. I mean, it's, it's a very painful and bothersome thing. Now, there are medicines that we use. They mainly affect the way that nerves fire. And so uh, Premapexol is one that we use. Sometimes we do use muscle relaxers. And they can get a bad name. So clonazepam, that is a type of Valium. It's a Mm -hmm. benzodiazepine. We use that as well. I use magnesium. I've had some success with high doses of magnesium that help to stabilize what we call the membranes of the muscle. Uh, You can't take a lot of magnesium if you've got kidney failure. So all of these things that you do, you've got to make sure you run through your doctor. Now that I've said what I've said, tell me your symptoms. Tell me how you feel, and we'll see whether maybe, just maybe, you do have uh, restless legs. Tell me about it. Well, mine seems to bother me more at night. Yeah. Um, And now, not only do I have the nerve pain uh, alongside my legs, but it has started developing into severe 
muscle cramps. Yeah, so Charlie horses, uh, the muscle contracts and you wake up and you have to try to massage it to have it go away and it's a knot. Is that correct? No, you actually have to jump out of bed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it also goes down into your feet and right. torts. Your, it's horrible, your isn't it? Where you have to really yeah. stand up and stretch. Yeah, and you have to sort of flex your leg to get that muscle undone. I used to get those all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that you should do this, but what I did was start taking a lot of, mag- well, two magnesiums over the counter mm-hmm. and a potassium. Now, I check with my doctor on this before I did it. However, that sometimes doesn't work. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't work. You need to speak to your physician about a sleep study. Um, because that's the way to really diagnose it because they'll be able to tell during the study. They can tell how your leg movements are and what's going on. Some of the treatments that we have for restless leg syndrome during the day Mm -hmm. are the same treatments for periodic limb movement disorder, which is is characterized as a restless leg by the the general community. Um, And there there are medical treatments for it, and I, I would recommend you pursue this. Are you tired all the time? Not really, because a lot of then you might not be having it during deep sleep. One of the things that happens, you have to have 20 minute cycles three times a night where your body is paralyzed and you're breathing through your nose. And the only thing in your brain that's working is your midbrain. And that's how we regenerate the mechanisms that let us think and let us move our muscles. So you may not be having this during the deep, deep sleep, in which case you know, that's great because a lot of people with this disorder are so tired because they're not getting into that deep, deep sleep. But if you're having a lot of these muscle aches and a lot of these um, uh, Charlie horses, I like to call them, get get it checked out. Now, I have another patient who takes apple cider vinegar capsule. Now, you can't take those when you have kidney failure. You can, you know, some people don't like the way it affects their stomach. But it changes the pH of your body just a little bit. So this is what some people do. Right. Magnesium, potassium, and apple cider vinegar. All right. Barbara, thank you very much for the phone call. Making Your Home Great is coming up next. Michael Schweitzer from Luxury Bath and Kitchens and Homecraft Windows. And Rhonda Benvy Plummer from Help Me Rhonda Interiors on the show. Doctor, thank you. Thank you. I just This is my... Favorite thing to do. (laughs) I love this show. We're going to do this next week. Heart Health Radio.